OTB GAA Burns was on another planet this year boys like in the first half of the All-Ireland final this year Old Murphy put a puck out down Burns puts the claw up and puts it back over the bar like. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember Effortless Shave Magnificent Mo. And it's a very good Tuesday morning for the BBC Leeds journalist and uh, football uh, reporter as well, Adam Pope. Adam, very good morning to you. Good morning, guys. Uh, you must not have come down. I was listening to yourselves on the on the podcast this morning on my, on my drive into work, and um, the three of you were absolutely buzzing, and rightly so. What a performance! Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's the uh, don't go to bed just yet podcast <laughs> with Simon Ricks of the Kaiser Chiefs. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, look, two of us on the podcast were very fortunate to be there at Anfield covering the game and uh, let's let's face it guys everybody expected Leeds to go to Anfield on Saturday night and probably take a bit of a beating and uh, that's just the way of things at the moment the way it's gone with Jesse Marsh for a little while eight games without a win and then they go and put in a performance like that and you have to say despite the keeper making nine saves <laughs> they deserve to win the game and they took it to Liverpool where they could and, and got their breaks and, and won it and it was an extraordinary night and one that you've got to make the most of because they just don't come around much do they? They don't and like you look at someone like Crescencio Somerville uh, you know celebrating turning 21 I guess with that with that winner as well Um what a moment and, and I guess the hope now he, he's got some criticism he hasn't uh, been, been the finished article just yet but I mean I guess the hope now is that this isn't a you know a Federico Makeda for Man United against Villa moment where he scores the, the famous goal and then kind of fades into the into the the, uh, the darkness but uh, it could be the start of something special for him if he can keep doing uh, things like that that's a really decent comparison that you made there to Makeda. Yeah, remember that extraordinary goal he scored, didn't he, on his on his debut? The thing with Somerville, he's been on the scene at Leeds for a little while now. Yep, he turned twenty one within a few hours of scoring that goal, as you say. But he arrived back in twenty twenty and you know, came from Feyenoord. He'd been through the youth system there, he went on loan to Den Haag and then you know, he's been in the in the Dutch international youth system as well. He's absolutely shone in the what we now call the twenty ones. Because Leeds got relegated from the top division of that, um, having been promoted to it just two seasons ago. So he's now playing in a sort of lower division of that and is and is way, way too good for it. He was too good for it last year when they were in the higher division against the, the better academies, you know, Chelsea and Liverpool and everybody else. The thing is, could he do it at senior level? And we haven't seen too much to suggest that he could cope with it. He's missed a couple of chances lately, particularly against Arsenal, one against Leicester. He's been given his, his head, if you like, by, by the manager, by the head coach, Jesse Marsh, because he's been telling us, not least for putting the number 10 on his back, that um, that this guy's the next one off the rank, as far as they're concerned. They want to give him a go. They want to give him minutes. And you have to say, having had a decent game against Liverpool, he's crowned it off with, with a really, really good goal and a, and a memory that will live forever. So maybe that's the big turning point for him. But you have to think, if Luis Sinistera was fit, guys, would would he have started the game? Mm-hmm. Yes, he would have. And then maybe Chrysensi would have been coming off the bench big question now is does he deserve to keep his place for the game against Bournemouth on at the weekend did, did you buy into what Marsh is saying Adam that um, Leeds were genuinely a good bit better than what the results would suggest over the last sort of seven or eight games because um, you know it, it did seem that way but you, you can only I guess you can only get away with that so you can't get away with that every week and if Liverpool had hockeyed them as, as, you, as you say people would have suggested that that was likely to happen um, how is Jesse Marsh feeling this morning and how much pressure would have been on him? Yeah, I think if they had had a terrible performance and, and a heavy result, and don't forget they lost their six in the Bielsa last year, um, then I think it would have been very hard for the board to have kept 
supporting him for mm. these next few games. He's been speaking like a man who feels that he's going to be in charge certainly to the World Cup. This is prior to the Liverpool game. So there's no doubt that the board have been trying to give him every bit of weaponry, every bit of every tool to make sure that he can make this a success. And that's include bringing in psychologists, extra staff at the moment, what have you. They don't want to row back on a big decision to have got rid of Bielsa and brought Jesse Marsh in. So they're going to try and make it work. And thankfully for Jesse, it went the right way for him. But there's there's no doubt if, for example, they went to beat Bournemouth at the weekend, then the knives would be out again, to be quite honest, because it got so toxic ahead of the, the Liverpool game in terms of the performance away at Leicester, where the fans turned on the head coach. Mm. And then against Fulham, where they turned on or the head coach, but particularly on the board as well. It just shows you that within the space of one performance and a couple of results, that it can it can get really nasty. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've got to, got to be honest. When they were losing to Fulham with with seven minutes to go, three um, one, you wondered if that was seven minutes left of his career mm. um, this would be amazing if he could turn this around to get the crowd back inside for the crowd to sort of you know not berate the board anymore for not making the signs they should have done and to turn this around and make it you know a relatively successful season would be some some going and it would have shown some nerve as well by the board and by him as well in what in what he's doing yeah but like so what, what's the what's the transformation been like because it must almost be like a, a change in your complete political system in a country to go from Bielsa to anything really <laughs> That's yeah, it's interesting. Look, th- this was this was sold as a sort of evolution and a progression, wasn't it, from the Bielsa, uh, from the Bielsa days? It's been really hard trying to see. Look, firstly, in, in those first twelve games, when they when Jesse came in ahead of schedule, Bielsa was going to go in the summer. We knew that there was going to be a part in the ways. He had to sort of play scramble football. Mm. So it was difficult to sort of assess what style was being implemented because it did change quite a bit over the over the next sort of 12 games or so and, and thankfully he managed to keep them up. Now we're seeing his players come in and, and, and this, if you want to call it a Red Bull style, it's a lot more narrow, it's a lot more focused into the penalty spot. A bit like Bielsa in some ways, they try and retain, regain possession very, very quickly and, and pressurise teams. That That's very similar. Um... But the transition, nobody saw an improvement in terms of the way they played. It wasn't as exciting. It wasn't as attractive. And largely in the Bielsa, despite there being in every season, a long sort of spell where they weren't winning games and it all looked like it was going to fall apart. Everybody sort of believed in it because he had that body of evidence behind him that mostly this worked. Mostly it led to wins and mostly certainly led to attractive football. But it did lead to some severe beatings as well. Um, Fans were divided as to whether... They wanted to sort of risk that and keep that going to the end of the season and they could go out having kept them in the division and they'd gone out in a blaze of glory, if you like, or they've tolerated them taking them down. They probably would have done because it was Bielsa. Jesse doesn't have that credit mm. in the bank with uh, with with the fans, I don't think, because he hasn't got the body of evidence behind him. So it's much harder for him. Plus, there's been, let's face it, there's been from different quarters a lot of sort of anti-Americanism as well towards him too. So it's been a, it's been a really tough environment to work in, but maybe he's just starting to come through the other side. Whether we like it or not, coming from this part of the world, there is an unconscious kind of... Um scepticism when anyone with an American accent speaks about football and and that's just how it is it, it is and look I sort of try to make this comparison that it's, it's like a xenophobic thing almost Bielsa got it you know when you remember the Spygate issue where the Football League basically created a retrospective law to punish him for something that wasn't um, illegal yeah. uh, when he was spying or sent someone to watch training at Derby an open training session 
Um, I felt that a lot, of, and it's not just from fans, it's, this comes from authorities as, as well. There was a lot directed towards him and, ah, this is what you get from people from South America. I thought it was really xenophobic and bordering on racist at times. And I think, I think Jesse suffered a bit of that even, even before he came. Some people will not tolerate having an American coach. And, uh, and that's wrong because, you know, he has got, um, some success behind him in MLS and obviously in, in Europe. Yeah, he's had his downtimes too. So you've got to give the guy a chance. The fact he kept them division meant he deserved his shot at it this this time around but there's still those that really aren't taken to it and those I have to say guys that were would have been not saying happy but were sort of wanting a bit of a heavy defeat the weekend to see if they if that would push the board over the edge to get rid of him obviously that's not prevailing view because people don't want to see the side lose but there certainly is that sort of antipathy towards him and what's going on at the moment the, obviously, the performance and the result against Liverpool is, 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 is eased the pressure and maybe it's going to give them enough leeway to convert a few of those sort of back on side, if you like. But th- there is a body that just won't ever have it. And, it, and, and that's, you're never going to change those people, are you guys? I mean, that could, it could be any other coach if, other than the one that they want. If, if they're not happy with him, they don't like the sound of him, then, then, then they're never going to be happy with him. Probably a bit like the Benitez issue at, at Liverpool for mm. different reasons. When he went to Everton, there were those that were never going to have him, even though that he was a really good coach. And it turned out horribly for him there. And um, hopefully it'll turn out better for Jesse in terms of his Leeds career. Johnny's brought him up there already, uh, Adam, but uh, Patrick Bamford, um, You'd have to be concerned, uh, and, and look, it's a conversation that comes up every week, I'm sure, among Leeds fans as to uh, where the Patrick Bamford of old is, but uh, even, I know you described the, the goal, I think, is the, the rusty <clears throat> toe-poke goal for, uh, for Somerville, <laughs> but just leading up to the goal was a, was a, a fairly rusty touch from, from Patrick Bamford, uh, albeit it led to, led to the goal, but surely he didn't mean it. Um, like, what's, yeah. what's your take on, on Bamford at the minute, and, and, and is it a concern going forward? Like, is, is his place in the team threatened at all? It is a concern, guys, because he's been out with a series of injuries for the best part of the year. He hasn't scored since December last year. And now he's getting into the positions now that he's, if you like, fit or, or certainly fit to do sort of 90 minutes or, or, or near enough. He's getting into the positions, but his confidence has gone and his touch quite clearly is gone. He also missed a great chance just prior to the, the sort of inadvertent mm. setup for Somerville. Um, so that is a massive concern. You know, he's been stuck on 99 career league goals for, you know, the best part of, you know, 11 months now. Um, but he has had a lot of injuries. So do you, do you keep playing him and say so that he plays back in the form of eventually something will go in? You're sort of in that scenario, but that's tough. It'd be easy if there was another striker, guys. Rodrigo has got six goals, but he hasn't particularly played very well. So it's chopping and changing at who plays at nine for Leeds at the moment. The big thing, and I'm sure you've discussed this as well, is that why haven't they gone and got or successfully managed to land you know, another striker that mm. can get you 15 to 20 goals. And that has to happen in January because clearly they can't rely on, on Patrick just at the moment. I think it will come good for him. I'm, I'm quite optimistic. I do think it will come back round for him, but it's very, very difficult. And also the clamour to play Gelhart off the Joe Gelhart off the bench, that's been pretty rife to see what well, give him a go. They have done it this season. What they did it at Brentford, it didn't turn out very well, not particularly because of Joe's performance, because of a defensive collapse that, that saw them beaten 5-2. He's a real talent. He's a goal scorer, and he's. But again, you know, I don't think at twenty he's going to get you fifteen or twenty goals in a full season just yet. So they do need that striker in there. But there are signs that others are starting to sort of chip in a little bit. 
you know, you've got obviously Somerville coming in. Jack Harrison will always get a few for you too. Sinistera, providing he stays fit, he's going to score a few goals. So, so goals are starting to come from elsewhere. Just do with a few more. Brendan Aronson looks like he can threaten too. But in terms of that number nine and, and the people that can convert the chances that they are creating, they, seriously, they, they, they are lacking. They need more competition up there. And that's going to be a 30 million, 40 million pound signing, isn't it? You would have thought. And uh, they've missed out on De Ketelera already uh, and, and Gakpo so far. And those sort of players, their prices are going to be even more if they were to go back in for them. And, and one of them's already gone anyway, De Ketelera to, to Italy. As you mentioned, uh, Adam, like the, the two big games in the league coming up uh, this side of the World Cup, you've got Bournemouth, as you said, this weekend at home, and then you have Tottenham away. Like we were just chatting myself and Johnny on on, on the show on Saturday about the uh, the Premier League sack race and the odds. This was, of course, before the the game on on, on Saturday evening, uh, and Jesse Marsh was was the hot favourite, eight to fifteen odds on to be the next manager sacked and I'm just looking at the odds this morning he's gone from 8 to 15 to 10 to 3 he's now the second favourite so <clears throat> Ralph Hasenhutl has replaced him as the, as the 9 to 4 favourite to be sacked <laughs> uh, funny enough Jurgen Klopp has shot up the rankings to number 3 but I mean it's it, the mad thing like is Klopp under more pressure than Marsh now after well, a game <laughs> one game like you that, know? That, that's the point as well Adam is that, is that, and you guys made it the podcast the fact that after the match at the full time whistle and you would have seen it at the ground the players, the Leeds players, have bought into this because they're running over to, to Jesse Marsh. There's hugs all around, there's smiles all around. So, if nothing else, the players have bought into him. Yeah, you can't say he's lost the dressing room. You can't. He's, um, we've spoken to a lot of players. Obviously, publicly, they are going to say they're right behind it. But you can sort of, when you've been around it, like, you know, you know, guys, you speak to managers, you speak to players all the time on or off the record. And, you get a feeling whether they're they're meaning it, and generally you don't find anybody sort of dissenting um, or that there's any sort of little divisions in in the pack, if you like. And that people are doing their best to get get behind this. The problem is if it continues in terms of a losing streak, that's really hard for them to keep doing that and believing in it. However, I think you're right. The body language, the hug from Mark Rocker in particular, um, and I think Christensen came over as well. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was a proper sort of yeah. We've done it. We've believed in it. We've gone and come into a really difficult game, and we're, and this system has seen us through. I think <laughs> what I would say on the on the other side of that, I don't know if, if you saw the game, the way Leeds play, though, it must be quite hard to believe in a system that allows quality, you know, wide players like Roberts and like Trent Alexander-Arnold to have a lot of the ball in wide areas, so they can deliver almost at will. To have that confidence to. To, if you like, pack out your defence and make sure you don't make a mistake mm. against the likes of, you know, Salah or whatever in those wide areas, is, is, it's a real test of faith. And it's scary at times, but it came off at the weekend. When it works, it works. If they can do it for 90 minutes and, and maintain the energy, then then great. But um, it's a quite scary way of watching football at times against some of the, uh, particularly against sort of the, the, the top six sides. But, you know, so far, he's managed to sort of, you know, well, let's say struggle through this. This point. I tried to compare it. I think the other way I said this in the podcast as well. Like, I just felt like Leeds as a club were like trying to pass a kidney stone last week, and either it comes out naturally and you carry on, or you have to remove it with surgery. And, and they were at that point last week. I really felt, and and let's face it, it might still be that case at, at the moment. But 
could it be much as we felt the Chelsea victory? Could this was a bit of a defining moment for Jesse Marsh? Could this be a real turning point in this season and for him and how people look at him if he can back it up on Saturday? Clock's going back first November. Kidney stones. Yeah, exactly. don't have it. <laughs> it's all linked. Uh, absolutely not. That's the one I suppose. Adam, and a lot of Irish uh, Leeds fans tuning in this Saturday to see if it can be followed up on. Uh, great stuff, Adam. As always, thanks a million this morning. Oh, pleasure. Nice to speak to you guys. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.